Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We are going to look into Psalms 91, uh, our hiding place. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you, holy God. We thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, most of all. We thank you for what it is. It is our strength. It is our anointing. And most of all, it is our hiding place, our refuge, God. We need it. We need it each and every day. So I pray right now, God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, Lord Jesus. Touch me, holy God, I pray. Anoint me, Lord God. Let me speak, Lord God, as would be according to your will. Strengthen us, God, I pray. And we'll love and thank you for it. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Okay, I'm going to read Psalms 91, and I'll read just 1 and 2. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Um, One reason why I like or why I value so much of studying the Bible um, is just I get to go back and read of so many circumstances that God's people had. And one thing that makes it Unique is I read the situations that they were in and how they overcame and what happened to them. And But now we look at where we're at and we think it's all that much difference. As I say all the time, people's just people. The circumstances change, but God is still God no matter what's going on everywhere. And what makes it difference now is it's happening to us. We're seeing it happen with our, with our own eyes. But the Bible is full of situations that literally seemed impossible. Impossible circumstances. Some of the things that we see, we just don't understand. And I'll just, um, speaking of a place of refuge, I'll just be honest with you. The Bible says God's ways are higher than ours, than, than ours you know, So we can't try to reason with humanity some situations that we find ourselves in. And one, I wouldn't say it was a dilemma, but one thing I have really wondered about, if I had been alive during when Jesus was born, is a situation of John. Because here you start from the beginning of where Elizabeth and where John leaps in the womb, and the Bible talks about he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And when Elizabeth goes to see Mary, that she is baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then we see all of John 
He's literally the one that says, Behold the Lamb of God. So he is literally fulfilling what Isaiah spoke about. So he is this forerunner of, the Bible says, Jesus Christ. And we see the most importance of John the Baptist. And because of the lust of an individual, John's life is taken. And you tell me, how would you balance that out? And the Bible even talks about how Jesus had to withdraw himself in his humanity to deal with that. Your, your Bible records that. It's, it's not that if, if, you know, if I would have been in there, you know, here is the man that's telling the world, this is who the whole Old Testament wrote about. He is the one. And the way this man gets taken out, that's why I'm saying I take that and bring it up to right now and I have to watch myself in situations where that just don't go the way I think it should. Well, it don't have to go the way that I think it should because I can't put human logic on what's happening because when I do, that's when I get in trouble because as a Christian, as someone that says, and I say that, says that I believe in God, it's just not gonna work out all the time the way I think it should. But the most beautiful thing of it is, regardless how it is working out, I have a refuge. I have some place that I can go to. And as I've said so many times, regardless the way it looks to my eyes, God has a place where I can withdraw myself from the situation. That's why um, Brother Boyd said, uh, here, uh, uh, some services back, you know, you got to turn off Fox and all of that. And... Uh, I agree with that. You know, you, you can't just, I made the statement here some months ago, you can't come to church every service and run the aisles. And what I meant by that is once in a while or periodically on a regular basis, you have to stop and teach the word of God. And so in other words, you got to give the people something to run about. In other words, when life turns upside down, you have structure. You have something that holds you. And so when, um, you know, if you just listen to the world and everything that's going on now, you would just be, man, <laughs> what's the reason to even live? You know, everything is going crazy. That's why Jesus is our hiding place. I can't just do the Lord a disfavor and just all, give all my attention to a media that's just telling me what they think I should know. I'm gonna go to the one that I know is running the show. Go to his word, listen to his spirit and just find that hiding place. And I just wanna read uh, some scripture that's not in the thing, it's just something that I wanna read. Um, I'm gonna just read them fast so if you just wanna follow me on the screen. In Psalm 17, 17, seven and eight, Psalm seven, 17, seven and eight. It says, show me thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by the right hand of them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of thy eye and hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Psalms 27, five, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Psalms 32, 7. Thou art my hiding place 
and thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me round about with songs of deliverance. Isaiah said in 26, 2, Open ye the gates that the righteous nations which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, in Exodus 33, we all know the story of Moses where everything, where the Bible even says the Lord uh, spoke to Moses face to face. Now, we, we understand that where the Bible says no man has seen God's face. In other words, God is literally speaking to Moses somehow where he's just right there. He's hearing it as clearly as I'm talking to you right now. How the Lord did that, I don't know. But that's what the Bible says. And then Moses asked the Lord this question in 33, 18. He says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now, and the Lord grants his request. And what he does in 21, the Lord answered him. And the Lord said, behold, behold, in scripture means you need to take and listen. It is like if, you, if you're trying to get your child to listen and you say listen, and then you raise the volume up. So that's what he said. Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Now, we know that, there, that God's going to take him. He's going to put there. He's going to put his hand in. The Bible says he puts his hand in front of him. And I just, when I think of that, I just think of the song that we sing, Cover Me. There is just, and the only way I can put it, there's just going to be some things that we just don't need to see. And what I'm going to have to depend on God, I'm going to say, God, cover me, watch me, protect me, protect my eyes. As David said, I'm not going to set no wicked thing before my eyes. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to study and I'm going to ask God, you're just going to have to watch. Some things I can't control and the what I can't control, God, you're going to have to just help me. You're going to have to give me the strength that I need. And just as he told Moses, there is a place by me. And then what I don't know that could harm me, Jesus, Jesus knows. God knows what, we can, uh, what can happen and he can cover us. And the Bible says in Philippians 2 and 5, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the only way I know that can happen is through the Holy Ghost to have Christ's spirit, to have the Holy Ghost. And I'll I read one more. And, I, and, and it's 1 Peter 1, 13. It says, Wherefore, gourd up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, that is, be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if ever there was a time that that scripture needs to be fulfilled, it's right now. Right. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. So if you talk about distractions, we live with them. They are everywhere. It is just, that's why, that's why I'm saying, God, cover me. Cover me. Because it's just, if, if I go somewhere or if I'm watching something I know better or if I'm listening to something that I know better, that's one thing. But I'm telling you, if I'm doing everything I know to do, God, I'm, I'm saying, cover me. Just somehow spiritually, spiritually. You know, just like the... Uh, the, the prophet has got the, the, the servant that just said, God, open his eyes. 
Let him see the angels that surround us. He couldn't see them before. When God opened his eyes, then he could say, oh, <laughs> them that be with us are more than they are. So he realized, so God is our refuge. He is the one that we can trust. And he, he is the one that's just, and it's not a place, it's not a place to just, in times of trouble, it is a place that we can go to every day. It is something that we can seek, we can go to every day, and that's what our lesson is, the refuge of the secret place. Now, Martin Luther was the first Protestant reformer and founder of the Lutheran faith, and he is universally regarded by evangelical Protestants, and he is also a controversial figure known as being a man of great extremes. Before becoming a reformer, he served as a monk and he was known to attend confessional sometimes for as long as six hours. It seemed his life was marked by periods of either anxiety and depression or either exuberant energy and excitement. Some theorize that he may have suffered from bipolar disorder. Either way, some of his most heroic moments were nailing the 95 Theses to the door of the, of the uh, Wittenberg Church and his refusal to recant at the Diet of Worms. Some of his greatest theological works was the bondage of the will, the Babylonian captivity of the church, and his translation of the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into German. But one of his lesser-known contributions is also called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One origin story for his song records that Luther and his cohort sang a hymn on the journey to the Diet of Worms in 1512. At the Diet of Worms, Luther refused to recant his theological position. In response, the Roman Catholic Church branded him as a heretic and the Holy Roman Emperor put a price on his head. Thankfully, Luther had a supporter and ally Frederick III, who was a German prince, he hid him away in the Wartburg Castle in Germany. There is another possible origin for this hymn, per, uh, perhaps in the castle. Luther had the idea of God being like a vast fortress in which he could hide, and he spent roughly a year there where he had produced many theological works, including the First New Testament in German. The hymn was finally written down and set to music in 1529. The lyrics and melody both were both provided by Luther. Whatever its origin, the hymn was a source of strength for Luther. He wrote, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he admit a flood of moral ills prevailing. When circumstances flood in, even those that are at death kneel to us, God is, God's presence is a safe place. Now, even though he had this knowledge and peace and courage that propelled him to accomplish these great things, Protestants, particularly evangelicals, can look at their roots back all the way to the uh, Martin Luther, and we can remember his hymn of trust and protection and fortitude if we are afforded by God in the faith that God granted to him. And in the 
wrestlings that he had. Now, Psalms 91 said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. Now, God is, a, God is an invisible spirit. So this is speaking in terms like we can, uh, we, we can see that God can't cast a shadow. So this is obviously speaking that we need to be near to God. So he was saying that we should be under the protection of we should live our lives being under protection of being close or being near to God, near to his spirit. Part of the psalmist's life was hidden from others and it was a sacred place when the psalmist received restoration and hope. When he fully understood what the psalmist was saying, this describes a great need we have for a secret place in our lives when we encounter God. We all need a place where we can truly shut everything out and just get alone and think and think about God and really, really just lock in our purpose with God without any distractions because the, the one true purpose that we have is living for God and being a true servant. The psalmist used buildings to personify the protective qualities of God much of this Psalm 91 is spent assuring individuals that God will protect from harm. Words such as refuge and fortress and uh, habitation are used. These words are not identical, but they are all places a person might live. Not just some place that we might go and stay for a while. The idea being personified here is that God's dwelling place is not just where an individual might go, but a place where we can live. In other words, it's what we say all the time. Church can't be a Wednesday and Sunday ordeal. It's got to be a place where we dwell. So it is a place 24-7 where God resides. That's where he said, I'll give you my spirit. That way, it's not about just coming to church and then when church is over, it's done, we go home. It is a place where we can literally have God all the time, have a place of refuge. The idea of God being compared to a hiding place is as one uh, to us may be found in many other psalms. There's many other psalms. Hiding is associated with a desire for protection and safety. The psalmist made a point that it's good for believers to seek God in times of trouble and uncertainty. Now, the psalmist used in, in the author used by giving God wings and showing that how those wings symbolizes shelter. This is a shelter of a mother bird that, that provides for her young. The mother bird uses her wings to shelter her chicks from the elements and predators. This is just how God spoke of Israel, how he protected her, how he carried her on eagle's wings. God is a protector who provides physical and emotional safety for the individual seeking protection. And that's us and that's all the time. God is seeking to save us and to protect us. Prayer in a secret place is sacred and it's created, and it's created with the almighty God. Prayer in a secret is sacred and it's a place where we can freely and authentically share our deepest hurts and greatest longings and our worst fears. It is truly where we can get along God knows who we are anyway. He knows us in and out. So it's where we can get along and just 
reveal who we really are. It's just, people think they know us. <laughs> I'm not saying we're all just Charles Manson in here. But there's things about us that everybody don't know. But I'm telling you, God knows us. He knows who we are, our thoughts, our intentions. That's what makes a refuge, his forgiveness, so loving. Is that God, you loved us when we was just unlovable, to be honest. So I thank him for the refuge that he has provided, for the strength that he had, and for a place that I can go to. And that's why I... That's why I said I, I love so much to read in his word of just the times that he has made his children when they looked like no way out and he made a way out. It is just God just coming through one more time when it looked like there's no way, there's no way they're coming out of this. And God makes a way and it's just like, how did they do that? And there is no human explanation other than God provided a way. He did. Now, whatever we trust is in where we place our lives and we're in wherever. When we trust Jesus, we have committed our lives to his care. This is much more than an intellectual ascent of Jesus, but a committed position of confidence in his compassion for us. God has pledged his compassion and righteousness to us through his death on the cross. He demonstrated that he would uh, execute justice upon sin while extending mercy and his love to sinners. Since God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, we take the heart knowing God has provided himself trustworthy. And he has. He has provided himself. Psalms 91 says in 14, because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Now, truly, truly, when you go back to it all the way to the beginning, God just wanted companionship as we would say fellowship and everything that God went through to see that happen with humanity is truly remarkable of God coming to humanity the death of the cross making that here again I just cannot fathom it with my own mind that God would go through the situation that he went through to bring back the relationship like it should be. But God went through so much and just to have the communion that he had and the, all the promises, all the promises that we have and it's been given to us through scripture, all the places of refuge, everything that we have is that for that communion for us to have with God. The whole Bible is where God is reconciling the world back to himself. It's it. I mean, that's it. That's God bringing humanity back to a position where they should have been if they hadn't got lost to start with. 
See, that is what it's really all about, is God putting us in a position where we should not have to be and where the enemy means nothing but only our harm. And God is doing everything he can, everything he can and has done was for our benefit. Not only did the psalmist desire how God um, protects, but the psalmist also featured God pledging himself to the protection and deliverance of those who trust in the Lord. At many different times and in many different ways, God has pledged his faithfulness to us. However, the most significant way we experience God's faithfulness is through the love of Jesus Christ. That's why I say when you understand and when you read and when you see and, and try to, as much as we can with our mind, to go through everything that God went through, then we truly can see a glimpse of what uh, we must do to honor just what the Lord has done for us. The popular hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by Horatio Spadford in 1873. He planned to travel to Europe with his family, but was unable to join them due to a business delay. Tragically, the ship, his wife, and four daughters traveled. They traveled on sunk after colliding with another ship. Only his wife, Anna, was saved. He traveled to Europe to join his grieving wife. While passing the spot where his daughters drowned, he wrote the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now that's not a Wednesday, Sunday situation there. <laughs> that is not a Wednesday, Sunday situation. Somehow his Spadford's trust in God granted him the strength that allowed him to continue living despite the despair his life had become. Only true faith rather than a more intellectual accent can do such amazing things. And I'm telling you, that's a trust. That is a trust that is to have four daughters lost and to leave the spot, I mean, to go by the spot and write these words. And that's truly, I mean, to say that's why you can't, you can't reason that in human terms, why that happened. I mean, if, if you're trying to help somebody, I mean, really, from a Christian point of view, there's no way you can put words to that unless God anoints you right then on the spot with the, the, the spirit of knowledge or the word of wisdom. There's no way you could tell somebody why this happened. I mean, we don't have answers to some of the questions that people asked. But I'm telling you, if that's why we just close the door sometimes and it is, it is not a cop-out and just pray to the one that is in control. And you, you just can't let the enemy beat you over the head because you can't answer every question. Some things we are not just going to know. And the ones that we can't answer, thank the Lord for. But it's just, that is truly, I'm telling you, that is truly remarkable to have that much fortitude about himself to write that. It is well with my soul. And I remember I told you this one time before. I said it jokingly, but I, but I meant it as a point. 
me and Sister Rayleigh was in um, walking up to Win Dixie. There's a guy there with his um, car jacked up. He's all jacked up in the Win Dixie parking lot, and he's up under the car. And you know, you know me. <laughs> I'm acting like I don't see it. <laughs> and the guy hit on me said, "You okay, man?" And the guy said, "Yeah, I just had to throw on a starter. I'm okay." So I told Sister Rayleigh, I said, he's taking that a whole lot better than I would have. <laughs> so if I'm in Dixie parking lot having a throw on a starter, you're going to need to pray for me. <laughs> I'm going to need your prayer. <laughs> and probably a whole lot more. But for this man to go through this and to have just the amount of God in him to write this. Because truly, I mean, that, that's a loss that he will never get back. And it, 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 is, it is remarkable, it is. In the Old Testament, God instituted six cities of refuge that each would function as an asylum for unintentional murders. And an unintentional murder is what we would know basically as manslaughter in our day. These cities provided concern about protection to the individuals. The concept of the cities of refuge in Scripture should remind readers that God is concerned about us and will protect us in a place of refuge where we can experience protection and deliverance. Now, God offers forgiveness and protection. He does. He will protect us. Perhaps one of the most incredible accounts of God's protection is in Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Rome, recorded in Acts. God protected Paul from angry Jewish mob, corrupt rulers, shipwrecks, snakebite, multiple incarcerations. God's protection afforded, uh, afforded Paul amazing opportunities to share the gospel. He returned to a mob of radical Jews, of which he was a former member, and to present the gospel and his own conversion experience. Paul went before Felix, the Roman governor, uh, Festus, the, uh, the procurator, and Herod, Agrippa, king of Judea, who was installed by the Romans. Paul shared his conversion and the gospel with each of these dignitaries while God protected him from the Jews. Since Paul had appealed to the Roman emperor uh, Caesar, Paul was placed as a prisoner on a ship traveling to Rome after he experienced shipwreck and miraculous protection on the Isle of Crete. Paul finally arrived at Rome, and there he was placed on house arrest for two years. And during this time, he was able to share the gospel with a number of the Romans. Now, we know Paul and what he wrote was just remarkable of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And a man to go through this much and literally, it is amazing that God protected him, stayed with him. But yet, see what all he suffered, what all he went through. And do you think that there was anybody that say, Paul, do you really think you're in the Lord's will? <laughs> Look at all this has happened to you. And we know he was because of what that man meant to the church, what all he done to the church. You know, we would say, oh man, they, <laughs> they something you're not telling. You know, they, too much is happening to you that shouldn't be happening. So 
God's a protector. God's our protector. He will be with us in trouble. Jesus intentionally entered into the midst of troubles. He did this in through the incarnation. The author of the Hebrews used the following opening statement to begin the epistle. After God spoke long ago in various proportions, portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days, he spoke to us in a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he had and through he created the world. That's the new, um, the NET. Instead of sending someone else to speak on his behalf, God came to us in a son we know of as Jesus Christ in a model that we know. He did not come with other words to speak. Rather, Jesus entered into troubles by embracing the fertility of life and fully experienced the brokenness inherent in our world. And that's one thing that when we go pray, when we are truly hurt, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, the Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are tempted. And when you look that up, that that literally means every imaginable way you could be tempted. So no matter what situation or how you're feeling or whatever you're feeling, go to God. God came, was birthed in a body So whatever situation that I am in, I can take solace, go to the place of refuge and know that God knows what I'm talking about. I mean, if if someone is, if this flesh is bothering me or if someone is bothering me or if this one or life is bothering me, I don't have to think I'm praying to someone that don't understand what I'm talking about. You know, just, I don't. I'm praying to a God that literally understands what I am speaking of. He understands. He literally understands. Now, and then we are just beings that needs to be restored by the Lord. We We must remember the institution of the Sabbath is rooted from the very beginning before the fall. God found it necessary to rest on the Sabbath day of creation and extended his fall to rest to all creation. If God felt that human beings needed, needed the Sabbath before the fall, how much more essential then is the, the Sabbath after the fall? Therefore, we must seek the refuge from the Lord. We must be honest about our limitations and learn at what point our reach, we must, be, uh, we must learn at what point our reach is beginning to exceed our grip and we must seek daily um, to connect with God and who is our source of life, strength, and hope. And it's like you can't just say you're, I'm going to just say this. <laughs> we got pastor back. Um, but speaking of the lesson, if you're, we have to be honest about ourselves and if you're just do, I'll, I'll just say it like this. If you're doing everything you can and a position comes up that you think you would be okay in, but you know within yourself you're doing all you can emotionally, physically, don't go to Brother Boyd and tell him, I want to do that, I want to do that, knowing that it's going to send you over the edge. You know, because... God has given us the ability to know when too much is too much. 
We need everybody. We need everybody. I'm saying we do. But we don't need somebody to take on so much that they fall off the edge because that person that went over the edge, we need. We need everybody. And we don't want that one Stay with me. We don't want 45 sitting on the seat while that one goes over the edge. So all I'm saying is God is God. He's give us a place of refuge. And it's going to take all of us. God is our refuge. He is our strength. And he has given us the mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He gave us that ability through the Holy Ghost and staying in tune with God and with the Holy Ghost is the only way we're going to know what our limits are. And then just coming in and just looking and knowing because I'm telling you, it's going to take all of us. This world is so corrupt. This world is, but it is nothing compared to our God. God is God, and there is nothing that they can do. And it's just, you know, it's just significant to note that God chose, when you read of the Lord, that Jesus often tote chose solitude over people. And what I mean by that, don't think I'm saying that because of me. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we have got to have time to ourselves. If you go, 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 busy, 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 go, 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 work for the Lord, work for the Lord, you're just human. We got to have a place of refuge. God has gave us every available thing there is to the church. And if you, if, if you just take and all you do is, I'll say it like this. This is just me. We shouldn't hide ourselves in the sand, so to speak. But if you turn on the news and call yourself staying up with the world, Keep up with the time. Ever how much time you give to the world, you give that to God. If you give the world a half an hour listening to their garbage, you go to the one that's in control of this thing and give him a half hour to balance this thing out. Because the one that's in control can keep us in perfect peace. And because the Bible talks about he that dwelleth on him and talks about perfect. And, and the, the, the thing of it is, is he that dwelleth on him. If your mind is stayed on him, if you stay on your mind and, and will is stayed on him, then you'll be kept in perfect peace. It's not that I'm just, oh my God, do you know, do you see what the condition our world is? It's enough to drive you crazy. Really? Where is my trust at? What do I believe in? 
I go to church and tell people that I believe there's a God that can do anything and yet I'm walking around on pins and needles? No, no. After Jesus was baptized, he goes out and he spends prayer and fasting in the wilderness. He withdrew himself and prayed. He chose guidance before any decision that he made and literally he was God but yet he gave us an example is what these are he withdrew himself and sought and then we read of this but there was fame went out he withdrew himself to the wilderness he, he prayed and it's just and we can truly see and I'll say it like this if there was anybody and I believe y'all understand. If there was anybody too busy to pray, it would be Jesus. But yet he was our example. So Jesus took and withdrew himself. He's not, he could have he easily said, you know what? I'm the one that I, this whole Old Testament spoke about, so I don't need to pray. But he gave us a pattern to live by so we look at that and say I need that refuge I need this place because if I don't find a refuge in a place for me then I'm just like the world I'm wondering what is going on what am I going to do what's going to happen well I know what's going to happen what this word says is going to happen is what's going to happen God can be my source of strength. And God help me if I listen to the world more than I listen to him. Let's stand. He is our refuge. Thank you, God. Father, we love you today. We love you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what it means. Hallelujah. It is our source. It is our strength. Oh, God, you made a place of refuge for us. You told us to look to you, Lord God, whence cometh our help, whence cometh our strength, Lord God. You are our hiding place, and I thank you for it. Touch your people today. Anoint us, God. Touch us each and every one. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, Lord God. We thank you, God, for the refuge that we have, the refuge that we have in you. God, I praise you for it. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God. Thank you for it. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.